It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Laura Warren-Hughes, and this week I'm flying solo. Um, Congratulations to Cameron and his beautiful bride, Catherine. They're on their honeymoon while we're recording. So um, while the cat's away, the mouse is going to play a little bit. And this week, I am absolutely elated to welcome back one of our very favorite guests and um, to quote my daughters, oh my gosh, we just love Margaret. We have Margaret Chamas here today as my co-host. So you want to say, hey, hey, Margaret. Howdy, everybody. Thanks for having me on again. We are just so glad to have you, Margaret. And uh, I had the privilege of stopping by her house last week. She um, gave a very willing home to our uh, two little surprise son and butt kids that we had born. So um, I got to see her beautiful farm and her beautiful animals. So um, you want to talk a little bit about what's going on on your farm, Margaret? Probably like a lot of people in this part of the world, it's we're approaching kidding season. I'm into my last, you know, 30 days. So I, I've been doing the, the booster shots, the pre-kidding vaccines, getting the towels ready, getting the bags of shavings ready. Um all, all those sorts of things. And really this weekend, like my husband was out of town on Saturday for a work thing. So I've, I've been seizing every opportunity this weekend to be lazy and to enjoy it because that will very quickly go away. So that's that's been nice. I rode my horses today. I slept in. All those fun things that will come to an end in a few more weeks. You know, I, I would bet there are a lot of dairy goat people who um, aren't the year round milkers who kind of feel the same way. Cause I, I thought that too, this weekend, it was just kind of a lazy weekend. And I thought, you know, I'm going to enjoy doing a little bit more knitting in the evening, catching up on binge watching some shows and things like that, just because you're right. Pretty soon we're not going to have time to do any of that. Yep. And it's all and good. It was- I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm about ready. I'm about ready for babies and I'm about ready for milking. I don't know if I'm ever ready for kidding itself because it is so nerve wracking at times, but I'm, I'm ready to get back to the more active half of the, uh, of the goat year, so to speak. Yeah, I, I agree. And kind of the same thing. Kidding season used to be my very favorite season of the year. And now it's more like, uh, let's just get through kidding season. And then I'll say, Oh, this was so much fun. Cause you know, I think like most of us, we realize that with every kidding comes the possibility of um, tragedy too. I mean, along with the joy, you always have the sorrow. And so, um, you know, sometimes the best that we can hope for is that we get through a year without losing any of our moms and without losing babies and without any trauma. So that's a, that, that's a good thing. So um, I know that my bank account is just a little bit um, lessened after this weekend, because I made those uh, purchases of uh, vaccines and, and I, I brought my milking machine in and went through the whole thing, took the, took the uh, motor apart, cleaned and lubricated everything. I ordered some new gaskets for different parts and some new inflations and, you know, got all the stuff together that I feel like I need 
to be ready for that milking season to start. I should probably do that too, shouldn't I? Well, I, some years I haven't done it and um, it's turned to bite me in the back when I haven't. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a good thing. I should always, do that. Yeah, always going to do that. So, um, well, let's get on to our main topic. I really don't know that we have anything, Margaret, to discuss as far as ADGA news goes other than, um, you know, the, the uh, EC is having their... Uh, meeting this next week kind of um, in preparation for a a meeting that they're going to have with the board of directors. And um, after that meeting is over, then we'll hopefully have some, some more news to share with the uh, membership and kind of let them know how things are continuing to move forward and things that we're working on and, and so forth. So if you haven't, um, sent in your ballots yet for national show judges and also on constitutional changes. Just don't forget that that's hanging out there in the background and needs to be done too. And when are linear applications due? Cause I know that that seems to be one of the big topics floating around the internet circles right now is um, host sites and host locations um, getting those applications in. Yeah, those are due at the end of January. So it's important to to make sure you go ahead and do that. And Margaret, I don't know if if you get people who ask you this question, but it seems like every so often people will say, well, I was appraised last year. Is it even worth signing up for appraisal this year? And And I feel like that the answer to that is a definitive yes. If you are interested in being appraised again, go ahead and sign up for appraisal. If you're not going to have it done, you'll be able to hold that over for the next week if ADGA is not going to be able to get to your area two years in a row. But I feel like it's always good to let them know what the interest is and and if they can fit you in that you'll that you'll get it. Same. I'm, I feel the same way. I'm going to sign up regardless. I mean, fortunately for me, like having that money just kind of not even sitting in my account, having been taken out of my account, that's not a hardship for me. I could see where that might be a challenge for some folks, but um, I don't see why you wouldn't sign up if you do have that financial flexibility. And if you are interested in getting linear appraisal, it just, you might as well do it. Well, and I think right now to sign up, it's just the one flat fee. It's not, you don't have your herd fees that are due yet. So that that's a little more uh, doable financial wise as well, but you're right. I mean, there is some financial implications with that, 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 you know, you need to be mindful of for sure. Um, you know, though, every year that I've been able to be appraised and I haven't, I haven't been appraised every year, but I sure try to at least sign up for it. I don't know about you, Margaret, but I always feel like I get so much more information out of it than what it actually cost me to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so along with um, the announcement that we made a couple of weeks ago about the circuit, um, our way of kind of giving back to the goat industry, I kind of wanted to continue on that that uh, focus on kindness and giving back to others. And, and that's really why I wanted to bring Margaret in again this week to talk. Um, Margaret, in addition to the things that she does with youth all the time um, in helping to grow their 4-H project and, and youth's interest in dairy goats, she has some really unique ways that she's brought people into the dairy goat community and has really enhanced their knowledge and, 
and shown them what dairy goat ownership can be and probably inspired a lot of new goat owners into doing more with their dairy goats. So that's going to be our focus today is, is the ways that, that you might consider sharing your knowledge with other people in your community about dairy goats. So uh, does that sound like a, a good topic to move forward with Margaret? It does to me. Yep. So, you know, when, when we've had Mark, when we've had you on before, Margaret, as I said, you talked about your work with 4-Hers and you've also talked about the work that you do with goats on the go. Um, but I really would like to talk about um, things that you've done with, with more of an adult focus in learning. So let's just go ahead and jump into that. Yeah. So I, again, and I've, I've said this before in the past on the podcast and on other, been on another podcast and talked about it as well. I was extremely fortunate to have a bunch of people around me when I got into GOATS who gave very freely of their time and their talent and their knowledge. And so I do feel like a general sense of, I owe this to the next generation, others, others coming into this space um, to, to give back to them. I also do enjoy teaching. Um, and so, and I also can be incapable of shutting up um, when I'm talking about something I'm interested in. So in the, you know, I've turned into that person a lot of people in my area come to when they have goat questions and it's it's i don't even think it's necessarily because i know that much more than anybody else um but i'm generally pretty willing to at least talk about it or share what i can about it um and or drive to your farm and help figure it out so there you know i, I quickly became the the crazy goat lady in my area because i had a, you know a, eventually like a hundred some odd goats um, and so I was getting those requests for like, oh, do you go do goat yoga? And, and there were those sorts of little oddball requests. Can I have goats at my kid's birthday party? But then it would be a few other people. Hey, I, I have goats or I want to get goats and I have a question about this or I have a question about that. Um, so, so related tangent for a second. So I, through goats on the go, I have a sub page on the goats on the go website, um, where people like looking at the map, find my territory, get in contact with me. And so it sends me a form email when someone contacts me through that website. And, you know, it says like their name and their, where they are. I literally one day got a email from someone oh, about half an hour from me. They, they must've just Googled goat near me. Um, because they ended up with this goat rental website and then and ended up with me, they had a pet goat who was screaming in pain, seemed really in distress and they wanted to know if I could help them out. So like, I don't even, I have no idea who this person is. All I had was a phone number. So I called them up and ended up walking them through um, basically fixing bloat and indigestion in their bottle baby. Um, so like that stuff happens and people would just be like, Oh, call Margaret. She knows, she knows the stuff about goats. You know, we've got, we had some rescue goats that we that my husband helped pick up on a snowy weekend because someone found these goats that had been abandoned by their human and called a friend who called a friend who said, "Oh, let's talk to Margaret. She'll know." So I've been <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of all these questions, and um, as someone who recently helped refer me for a job said, um, Margaret's biggest problem, Mar Margaret's potential weakness, is that she has a hard time saying no. Um, so I'm always answering these questions. And so there was a point where I said, you know what, um, let's turn this, let's be a bit more proactive about this. Let me turn this into something educational and help 
help, you know, more, more deliberately and more thoroughly get some of this information out there. Because anyone who's been doing goats for any amount of time knows that even if you have the best veterinarian in the world, they may not have been trained on goats. And so we are all as a community figuring this out within and among ourselves, just as much as we're able to go to a lot of experts. So, um, and again, like taking from the examples of people who helped me when I was younger, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do some goat classes. Um, and, and tying into this at the same time, like another trend that was emerging was post COVID. And I think you guys have talked about it on the podcast before there seemed to be a huge upsurge in people interested in homesteading or having their own goats, you know, securing their own food supply, things like that. Like hobby dairy goats seem to really take off during and after COVID. And so I was getting more and more and more of these questions during and after COVID. So I started my first like educational venture in 2021. I ran a goats 101 class, um, which was daunting and terrifying because I sat and tried to make a slideshow for this, like for a kind of lecture portion. Because uh, remember, at the time, we still like things still weren't open enough. We couldn't really, I couldn't really like hold a meeting at my house or anything. So I had this lecture portion, and so I'm putting down all the all what I consider to be the basics. Ended up as like a hundred twenty slide slideshow. Oh my me, gosh! It took me four hours to get through what I would consider to be the basics. Um, maybe that means I have bad priorities. Maybe that means I don't shut up ever. Um, but it was, it was a daunting slideshow. So I did two sessions of this virtual goats 101 class. And even to this day, if I get someone who heard about it, like I'll, I'll, you know, send me a couple bucks and I'll send you the slide deck. Um, because I, I wrote enough on it to make it like either I'd include links to another article to go get more details, or I wouldn't just write out like, you should be concerned about CAE. I'm like, you should be concerned about CAE and here's the reasons why and here's what it looks like and here's what you can do about it. So someone can take it as a decent reference to at least get them started on a lot of basic issues. Um, so Margaret, back in yeah. 2021, when you did this, how many people did you have as part of your GOATS 101 classes? So so there was, the, I did the lecture twice um, and I want, I, I want to say it was maybe 10 or 12 people total across the two days. And, and not everyone made it through all four hours, which is totally okay. Like I sent them the whole slide deck anyway. I'm like, look, guys, this is going to be long. I went through kind of a, I went through as an abridged of a version as I could, took questions and then said, okay, are there particular areas you guys want me to focus on? Because then we'll flip to that chapter, so to speak, and then go from there. Um, so it, it, it wasn't just like, university lecture with me standing up in the front of the room it was it, it, it was targeted a little bit to what people were more interested in so um, so were were the people that took your class were they like current goat odors that just wanted to take it to the next step or were there people that reached out to you who were to, like total newbies didn't know anything about dairy goats and and this was a okay slam me with everything that i need to know to not kill my first animals that i've got <laughs> More towards the newbie side, but a couple of people who had some goats and just wanted to to be more to have more education about it, um, to have more of those fundamentals in place, or just hear someone tell them like, yes, basically, yes, the way you've been hearing to do it is is an okay way to do it. Um, one one of my guiding principles for that class was, look, folks, there are a lot of different ways to raise goats. There are a lot of different ways to manage goats. I am presenting you a way. Sometimes I'm presenting multiple ways. If I know about multiple ways, there's most, 
most of the time there's multiple right answers. There are only a few wrong answers. You know, there are certain levels of housing and nutrition that like you absolutely have to have. But for a lot of people who just want backyard goats, the choice between alfalfa Timothy hay and, you know, grass hay with alfalfa pellets isn't a big deal. So I, I was trying not to prescribe anything, but more of, uh, so take my my housing slides, for instance, like I had pictures of all the janky shelters I've built for my brush goats, but then also like really nice barns. I'm like, look, here's the basics. It has to have at least three sides. It has to be draft free and keep them out of the mud. Beyond that, like you can do a lot of different things. Here's some options. Um, I tried not to make it too prescriptive, except for the cases where it was like, no, really, if you don't do this, your goat's going to die. Yeah, um, but no, that makes sense. Sure. And I've developed a few friendships from that one, which was pretty cool. So I had that lecture portion. Again, this was 2021. So we were starting to loosen up a little bit on, on COVID things. I, again, I couldn't, I couldn't hold this lecture in person. But what I did is I had this virtual lecture portion. And then the following weekend, I had um, in person. So it was at my barn, which is a 36 by 72, you know, open on one side. So it was very open air. Um, people wore masks when we were getting close enough to like if I was holding the goat and we were all gathered around the goat, like we'd have our masks on. But then when we were like, uh, you know, we, we hauled up a bunch of my working, my brush goats and people practice hoof trimming. So like, then it was like, all right, mask or not, you know, just don't get poop in your mouth or whatever. Um, so I, I did hold an in-person hands-on portion. And so we went through tube feeding kids, tube feeding adults, hoof trimming, banding. I don't think I did just budding. Um, I think we did tattooing, like a lot of the basics, like, okay, now, now you have your goat. Now you've heard of these, these theoretical talks about nutrition and health issues. And we, we went around and looked at my goats and I'm like, see that goat's feet. That's, that's a bad set of feet. Here's what you need to do to correct them. You know, that goat has a problem because her, you know, her joints are this way or her back's roachy. Like, so we, we looked at goats in the flesh and evaluating them and doing the five point scale. So like looking at the eyelids for from matcha plus the, the hair coat, you know, body condition scoring, just anything I could think of. Here's how to go. Here's how to live with your goats. Here's the things to look for in your goats to know if they are happy and healthy or if they're starting to struggle. And so Very that was, good. it was really well received. It was such a big endeavor, though, between like the four hour workshop and then the whole day um, at the farm. I haven't repeated that one, but I probably should. Um, I've, I've had people ask me about it since. Wow. Yeah, that that would be that would be a lot. So you've kind of tweaked that now and you have some maybe a little smaller, more doable classes that you're focusing on for this year. Smaller, more doable and, and lower pressure on everybody. Like, the, I mean, it was, it was a pretty intense workshop in the sense that like we were, I mean, even the hands-on portion was, I think four hours or so. Um, but it was, we were doing hoof trimming and everybody got to hoof trim and we were banding the boys. And everybody got to band the boy. Like we did everything. Oh, injections, blood draws. Like we did everything. We penned up those poor goats and tortured them. Um <laughs> but I got free hoof trimming help. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so last year, 2022, I, I wanted to do another event kind of thing, but less, less intense. Um, and so we did, I did a, I planned a home dairying workshop with a friend of mine. So she does soap. I don't, I don't do soap. Um, I've helped with it, but I, I don't know how to do it myself. I don't have the materials. Um, 
and I, I did cheese making and yogurt making. So basically we had, we had attendees come to my house. Um, I had doughs and milk. And so we went from milking the goat by hand or machine. Everyone got to practice. We took that milk, we brought it inside and we made, um, ricotta cheese. We, I had yogurt that I'd put in the day before I had some soft cheeses I'd, I'd set out the day before so that, you know, they'd, people could see what a curd looks like and see the clean cut in the curd. And so we just went from, from utter to final product, um, over the course of this workshop. And of course, you know, there was lots of cheese and, and sausage and stuff. So people got to snack, we got to visit. Um, and it was, it was a really, really, really fun workshop. Everyone had a good time. I think that a couple of the, you know, the, the, the couples or the families that came ended up, um, like sustaining friendships after that one, one pair of ladies came back later and bought some goats for me for their, their homestead. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Well, so I did that in, we did that in like mid April. Um, and as we were going through this, this dairy workshop, you know, I, in my mind, we were going to start with the goats just so people could get that experience. And yes, because some of these people might want to get their own dairy goats someday. But I think a lot of people were just more, I thought more people would be just plain curious about making the cheese, making the soap. Well, we spent so much time in that barn because people were asking like questions about the goat's health and what do you feed them and how do you, all that sort of thing. I realized that there was even more interest or there was additional interest in the process of like getting that dairy goat to the point where she's producing milk. Um, so I, everyone left for the day. And then a few days later I had the like blindingly obvious, brilliant idea that I should do a kidding workshop. And the reason I figured I should do that is because I had two does, um, who are first freshening yearlings. And so I, I will often induce my yearlings to kid if they haven't kidded by their due date, just because I'm worried especially with my overs who tend to be a bit slower or a bit smaller. I'm worried about the, the kids getting too big and causing delivery issues. I had that one year. It was not pleasant. Um, so if they haven't kidded by their duty, I usually induce them. Well, I had two yearlings do like a couple weekends later. And I said, what if I just induce them? So I know they're going to kid on Saturday and I could just have people over. We know the goats are going to have babies. So I can pretty much guarantee that they would get to see goats having kids and, you know, cross all our fingers and toes that it goes, goes correctly. These people would get an opportunity to see goat kidding in person. Now, you know, thinking back to when I was um, a 4-H kid, I remember the first time my, one of my does had, a, had kids. Um, I remember being like terrified because I'm watching this happen and hearing this goat in, in distress and I didn't know what was normal or not. And I remember being extra anxious because it was, you know, me and my mom and my dad. And this was the first kidding for my parents as well, because they weren't farm people from from growing up. So all of us are looking at this like, OK, I, at what point do we not know if something's going wrong or not? Just living through that first successful kidding gave me a lot more confidence in the future. And so I said, you know, so I, I thought with this workshop, it was a chance to let people see a hopefully normal kidding with someone sitting next to them who says, nope, that is just fine. That color of pinkishy, bloody looking mucus, that color is just fine. You don't need to panic. Um, just to kind of guide them through that the first time. So if they're doing it on their own, they're not as afraid. Maybe, that not, is... everyone is, maybe not everyone's as afraid as I was as a, as a teenager that first time, but... No, I think that is an amazing gift to offer somebody because, you know, frankly, I think in some cases, so many of us are worried about um, liability. We don't want people to, to think that, 
think the wrong thing of us as responsible animal owners, but we forget that if you've not had somebody elbow to elbow with you when you're trying to do something like kidding out your doe for the first time, it can be really scary. And, and just knowing normal versus not normal. And, um, you know, this is what it feels like if you have to assist a goat or, uh, this is, this is when you wouldn't want to assist, you know, kids coming out like it's supposed to just, you know, this, this is what you do with them once they're born and how you assist the mom and so forth. I think that's, that is just wonderful. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, go figure goats being goats. I had, what was it? Two or three does that I induced, like whatever it would have been Thursday. So that they'd kid Saturday. Um, two of them went early, but we did have one kid that day. Um, everybody got to watch, had, a, had healthy twins. It was wonderful. Um, I had plenty of people to help, you know, cleaned up, clean up the babies and, and help with milking and bottle feeding. So it was, it, it was a ton of fun. Um, and so I said, all right, that was, that was very successful and people really appreciated that. So I'm going to do it again. And then just by luck, I've got clumps of does due. Um, I, oh, I've got like eight ish does due, um, one weekend in February, which might not be many for Craig Copeman, who was on last week. Like I was listening to that episode and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I don't, I don't feel like a badass now for dealing with eight, like all on my own, um, <laughs> but it's a lot of goats for me. And so I was like, okay, you know, I've got about like, whatever, eight do this weekend. And so I'll aim for like four on one day, four on the next. I'm, so I've got two workshops coming up the uh, second or third weekend in February. And then another one in March when I have another like five does due all within a two or three day span. We're just gonna, we're just gonna pick Saturday and that's when people will come out. So Margaret, this brings up some some questions is going to fire at you. Do you limit the number of people that you have? Because I, I know some goats are kind of nervous or, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of room for people to, you know, watch. Do you limit the number and do you limit the age of, of the people that you have come? I limit the number. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing 10 for the kidding workshops. Um, because some of it is physical space. Like I know I should be able to with, with 10 people. And especially since I have like three or four goats, at least that should be due each of these days. Um, I feel pretty confident in my ability to like get people to cycle and, and get to see everything. Um, and because I'll do a little bit more formal planning and, and rearranging things ahead of time, you know, I'm going to have my shelters set up. So it will be like easily viewable. Plus, yes, I do. I do know my does enough to know that the ones kidding at this time are generally not super shy. I do have a, a couple that would be they will be tucked away in their own little corner when they decide to kid, but not not the ones I'll be bringing out for this. Um, as for age, I I haven't formally listed an age limit. Um, I. And no one's asked me about it. So I, I, I suppose it's possible I'm going to end up with like eight or nine year olds attending. I doubt it though. Um, and I thought about putting, putting a lower limit on the age. I don't want to exclude youth from this. Um, I'm also going to trust that if, I mean, I'm very upfront when people sign up about the fact that like I, we should be watching those kid like that is the purpose of this workshop. So I'm, I'm hopeful that common sense will prevail enough that if, if, parents are bringing their children that they're mature enough to handle this. That said, I, 
above and beyond all else, you know, as much as this is about helping educate people, this is also about me making sure my goats are happy and healthy. And so I have zero compunctions about, you know, telling someone like you need to be quiet and or you need to move away one or the other, like get out of here if if it should come to that. I don't expect it, but I, I could. It's been it's I thought about it. And what kind of provisions, Margaret, do you make as far as biosecurity? Like, do you do you have like boot covers? Because I, you know, I can picture some people who obviously wouldn't be thinking about the fact that they've walked around on their farm and now they're walking on your farm and, and, you know, boots are boots. Well, no, probably not. You probably need to have some, you know, biosecurity thoughts behind you, right? Yep. I, I do have booty, those booty cover things, um, like those plastic boot covers, um, mm-hmm. and, or I, I bring disinfectant spray out. So we'll spray off people's boots. Very good. Cool. Um, and so you said you've got several of those planned this year, three, three of them, two in February and one in March. Is that what you said? Yep. Yep. That's two kidding workshops and two of the dairy workshops. That is just totally awesome. So, um, what other things should people consider? So the, with the dairy workshop, you know, one of the, one of the challenges about it is you, you obviously can't set a really good itinerary because the goat could go, you know, there's, there's usually that, what, like 30 to 36 hours post loot is when you're most likely to have those kids. Um, and so I've, I, I've told people like, look, you can come as early as 6am when I'm doing chores. I would recommend getting there no later than eight. And I'm hoping that things are really, we should be seeing things between, you know, 8am and 2pm, depending, you know, if I, if I time it right. Um, So I will be encouraging people to bring their questions, bring their topics, you know, we'll go over other things like what to have in your kitting kit. And we'll look at the other does who are close up due. So uh, the number of questions I get from people who say, what's, what's the ligaments? What I hear people saying, like, what does it mean when their ligaments loosen? So uh, be able to go around and actually like, squish in the the ligaments of the does who are a couple of days to a week away versus the ones that are still like a month away. So we'll do a lot of that hands-on stuff. Um, Might do booster shots on some of the does. I could see if, if we're really sitting around bored, um, I could show people like how to draw blood. Cause I've this past week, I've, I've been at two different farms helping people draw blood. Um, So we'll just fill it with, with other stuff until, until the does really get rolling. Um, But people generally, the people I've had come to these, and because I do charge money to come to this, people are there to learn. They want to take something away from it. And so I just in- encourage questions. And so usually the time flies by because people always have additional questions or they want to see how you, what's your housing situation look like for the goats or how do you keep the kids or, you know, any, any number of things I could, you know, at, by that time, the first workshop, probably not, but that the second work or uh, the first two kidding workshops, probably not the one in March. I may have kids to disbud by then. So we can go over that. We can do tattooing. There's, there's just ways to fill the time and give people, give people a real event worth coming for. Wow. Now people are thinking, yeah. Oh, if nothing else, I'll just put people to work, you know? Um, (laughs) Is it, is it like a, um, a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer thing? (laughs) You know, you, you get to pay to come be part of my world and, Oh, and yes, you get to work too. Uh, most people don't find it to be work when they're bottle feeding the baby goats or helping clean them up. I'm grateful for the extra hands, but I think people enjoy it for what it is. And I don't, I don't feel uh, like I'm exploiting anyone with that. I have, um, 
I have traded people. Um, I think I've traded people like attendance at some of the classes. Like I've, I've bartered a little bit. Like you donate a few hours of your time helping me vaccinate my hundred plus brush goat. And in return, uh, you know, you can come to the classes or come to the dairy class or, you know, something like we, there, there's exchange involved in some of those. Um, and I have had a few people who say literally like they just, well, I, so I've done hoof trimming as a side service. Um, and a lot of times I try and just teach the people how to do it themselves rather than bring me out every, you know, couple of months. Um, Cause I think it's something that anyone can do, you know, hand, hand strength and arthritis aside, it's, it's not so complicated that most people can't learn how to do it. Um, but I've told some people like, look, okay, I will come to you and trim your goat's hooves and it's going to cost you this much. Or you come to my farm and you give me an hour of your time and I will teach you how to do it on my own brush goats who really, as long as you don't cut their toe off, like I don't care if it's a perfect trim job, like I will let you learn and practice so that you can go do it yourself. You don't owe me anything except some time. Surprisingly, a few people take me up on that, but a few have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that. But wow, again, what a gift to be able to learn with no pressure you know, oh my gosh, I'm not cutting off a prize show goats, you know. Yeah, there's, there's, there's very little pressure with that one. Yeah, very little pressure. Again, as long as they're like not gushing blood and they still have four hooves and eight toes at the end of it, like we're good. We're good. Oh, very cool. So you mentioned that people pay and, and if you don't want to, I'm not going to ask you to say what people pay for it, but what are some of the considerations that you've had in setting your costs? Um. So I'll answer this both for the kidding workshop and for the dairy workshop. So for the kidding workshop, I set it at $25 a person um, because I do make sure we have, you know, coffee and breakfast. And then later on, I'll have something for lunch. So some of it is just to cover the, the time and energy to, to supply that stuff. Um, and then it's just, it's just recognizing, recognizing that it is, it is to an extent a service and a, a benefit I am providing to other people. One thing I've learned, um, no, again, I've said uh, the people working with me growing up, a lot of times it was 4-H leaders or kind of 4-H adjacent mentorships. Um, and so a lot of that was was free or very darn close to it. Um, and so I do a lot of stuff for 4-H and it is totally free. Um, and I will, you know, little things like a friend of mine a mile away has a couple of goats. You know, I, I she needs CDT vaccines once a year. I give her the goats the CDT vaccines. I don't charge her for that. Um, but I have learned that there's a point where you have to place a monetary value on your time or people won't value it either. Um, that being either they just don't show up when they say they're going to, or they take advantage of your time. So I, it was a bit of a mindset shift because I, I got to the point where I'm like, no, I can't just keep doing this out of the goodness and kindness of my heart. I do need to charge for this because it is a service. I want people to expect that they're getting something of value out of it. And why am I offering it if they're not getting something of value? I shouldn't feel like I'm just taking money from people for with for no good reason. I'm not stealing from them. They're getting something very valuable out of it. But I think it is important to have people pony oh, up gosh, basically yes. if they want this. So so yeah, I charge twenty five per person for the kidding workshop. Um, the dairy workshop is currently fifty dollars a person, but obviously there's, there's more food involved. There's the samples. Everyone goes home with a bar of soap or two, depending, you know, if we get like a couple little sample sizes versus a big bar. Um, and they also leave with a gallon of goat milk, 
a packet of cultures to make either cheese or yogurt um, and some cheesecloth. So they can, you know, they can take what they've learned and go home and do it themselves. So they are getting product out of it, plus the time and the instruction. And they get written instructions for everything they've done. So they can go home, buy the materials, and then make their own soap or make their own cheese or make their own yogurt. That is so cool. I love that. And no one's, no one's complained at all about the cost of it. And I feel like it's pretty reasonable compared to, you know, I've, I've, I did a little bit of like background Google research on similar sorts of workshops and, and felt I was pretty much in line with that. But yeah, charging at least something means that the people who sign up and I, I do require payment up front or at least, at least money down on the, on the dairy workshop. Um, you got to at least put a, a down payment before your name's on the list. Um, you know, it makes me sure people have some skin in the game, make sure that they're actually likely to show up unless something goes really, truly and horribly wrong. Um, and it does, it does, it means that the people who are coming, they, they want to take value out of it. So they're going to ask the good questions. They're going to pay attention. They're going to be invested in it. Do you have to carry a special insurance writer or um, have you felt the need to do that in case, uh, God forbid, somebody gets hurt or... Yeah, so um, I will say the only one that was probably mildly questionable was actually the Goats 101 hands-on because we were like giving goats injections and had hoof trimmers and stuff. I'm not so worried about the other ones because the insurance I already have for my farm and it covers my grazing business, it covers my farm, farm business and grazing business. And the, the farm business and grazing business are actually two separate entities. Um, but the insurance I have on them has a certain amount of agritourism baked into it because the insurer actually just assumes that it's a smaller farm. There's going to be, there's going to be visitors on this farm. And so they just build that into their policies that under a certain dollar amount, in, until you get to a certain dollar amount, that low level of agritourism is just accepted as something that's going to happen one way or another. And so it's covered. Um, so I've never felt a need to get any more of a, like a, a one day policy rider or anything. Haven't, haven't felt the need to do that. Um, I could see if I started doing many more workshops than this, I might, I might run it by my agent again. Um, at a minimum, you should ask your insurance agent what what you are currently covered for. I do know and have verified multiple times that I have basically a small agritourism policy or, or provision in there. So it would be important if somebody were wanting to do this at their own farm, that they check with their homeowners or their farm insurance to make sure that they do have some coverage. And it, God forbid something happens, but you know that's right. that's just the society that we're in. Yeah. And there's only so much, you know, vetting you can do with people beforehand. Again, I've lucked out. Um, I think the fact that the fact that I'm requiring that payment up front and keeping it fairly small, I'm crossing my fingers, but feel pretty good about um, getting only the right people in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always, it's always there on the back of my mind. And to an extent, like when I started out these workshops, it, I am kind of just eyeballing people and saying like, okay, how, how comfortable does this person seem? We're going to go out and say hi to the goats. How, how do they seem? Are they paying attention? Are they being respectful of the animals? Like, do they look like someone who's not trustworthy with a pair of hoof nippers? Sure. Right. Um, so another question that I've got for you, do you do this just on your own or do you pay for somebody to come in and help you? Because I I'm trying to think, okay, you're feeding them breakfast and lunch. 
You've got some really neat topics, um, especially like on your kidding days. There's a lot of moving parts that you kind of have to keep track of here. So do you have, do you hire somebody else to help you or is it truly a one woman show that you're able to, to do with this? It's been a one woman thing again with the dairy, the dairy workshop. I brought in um, a friend to do, to do the soap part of it. Um, but with the kidding workshop, it's, it's just me. Um, unless you want to count my husband who helps me like vacuum the house and keep things organized in the days before and like get all the tables out, but nope, the rest of it, the rest of it so far has been just me. Okay. Wow. That's you are wonder woman then, huh? No, I'm just, like I've said, I'm just incapable of shutting up when I'm talking to people about, like, my husband teases me. He says he knows when I go into, like, my extension lecture voice um, because I start instructing people on something. Um, and it's probably true. I, I'm i more than happy to just sit there and keep talking to people because it's something I'm interested in. You know, I, I don't mind. I can I can overexplain that for, for days. So what kind of ideas do you have for other classes, Margaret? Oh, gosh. What else would I like to do? I feel like I need to do a a formal hoof trimming. That would be one. If I could just get a bunch of people over and tie up like 50 of my brush goats and let people learn how to wrestle them and and trim hooves, that'd be one. Um, I haven't thought of another one that's that would be as easy of like a, a three or four hour come and learn how to do these things. Like I don't, I don't butcher on my own. Actually, you know what? I had thought of doing a chicken processing workshop. Um, Cause I, I do process some of my own chickens. I have a plucker. Um, I've taught other people how to do it. Um, I actually used to, when I was in college and grad school, a couple of times I got free chicken cause I would see someone on like Craigslist or Facebook had posted, Hey, I've got these chickens I need to butcher, but I don't know how to do it. Can someone come teach me? And so I'd go out for like three hours on a Saturday afternoon, teach them how to process their chickens. And then they'd send me home with some. Um, so I know that that's like kind of one of those homesteading things people are interested in learning about. I feel like that's, that's really what it comes down to. If you have a skill that you, that you get questions about, other people are asking you about, this thing you're interested in or the skill you have, you can turn it into a class. Um, and there are going to be people who want to have, you, they could, they could YouTube it. They could Google it. They could read instructions, but there's something about having someone teach you in person and be able to give you that feedback in real time. That is really, really helpful. You know, Margaret, I'm, I'm even thinking about things that, um, Yes, many of this do, many of us mentor youth on uh, clipping and fitting and showing and things like that. But there are lots of adults who are way beyond that 4-H age who really would like to have their showmanship or their fitting styles to that next level that this could be an opportunity for a class for them as well. Adult showmanship would be a fun one. I want adult fitting and showmanship day. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want adult team fitting. <laughs> you mean like like an adult team fitting contest like they have yeah. at the National Show? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Hey, that might be a fundraiser idea. Well, that would be, that'd be an excellent fundraiser. Yeah, totally could do that. Or Or an adult showmanship at Nationals that people pay to get into. Um, or pay I would totally love that. 
I would love that. Huh. Huh. National show committee people. That might be something to be thinking about, huh? (laughs) Just a thought. Well, um, what do you wish that you knew, Margaret, when you first started putting this together? I, well, I don't know necessarily because I've been, uh, the ones I've put on have been in response to me just looking at, gosh, what are people always asking me about? What do I keep getting questions about? What, what do I see a gap being? And then just filling that. Um, I didn't necessarily say, you know, I was, I was doing something in response to an existing need that was, that was presenting itself to me. Um, so it's not like I had to do any salesmanship to get this to work because the, the need was already very clear and evident. So one thing that I, one thing that can be challenging actually, um, and I, this ended up on page two of our notes, um, facilities. Um, so when I can host at my house, it's not bad because, you know, I just, we just know that people are going to use the the restroom. So we have everything clean and organized. Um, if you're holding an event at your barn or at a space that doesn't have a restroom, you probably better figure something out for that. Um, and that was a challenge with the in-person part of the Goats 101 class because our farm, we have two properties. Our farm property um, does not have a restroom. The house property where my dairy goats are does. So that can be a bit of a problem. Um, evaluate whether you need, to, if you're hosting an event on your own, evaluate whether you need to like just rent a portage on or, um, you know, if there's a public restroom close by. So we've got actually um, trailheads, hiking trailheads about a mile from that farm. So that, that's where I sent people if they really needed to use the restroom. Um, always have refreshments. People appreciate that. Um, and I found that when you're planning it, um, at least around here, Saturdays are better than Sundays. And if you are going to do something on a Sunday, it cannot be before noon. Um, people, people just are not likely to show up on Sundays. That's, I appreciate that. That's usually family time, church time. Um, People are signing up for my Sunday kidding event, um, even though that starts, you know, between 6 and 8 a.m., but that's just the reality of farming. Um, but just be mindful, like, you have to consider other people's schedules, and and Saturday, 10 to 2, seems to be a sweet spot. Sundays, it's got to be afternoon. Well, very good. Well, again, Margaret, I just think being able to share with other people um, – teaching, giving them uh, hope that they could do this too. Um, You're right. COVID taught us a lot of things. And part of that is getting back to our roots, back to the farm, back to homesteading. Um, I don't know about you, but I still feel like that the formula shortages that we see are really driving a lot of interest in people getting goat's milk or getting dairy goats. Have you seen that as well? I haven't, I haven't seen that cited as a reason so much in the last year and a half. Um, but I know I'm still seeing that interest there in people wanting to get their own homestead goats. I just haven't heard the formula shortage being cited as the reason why. And part of it could be because a, I work with moms and babies all the time and B they happen to find out that I have goats and then they're like, Oh, that's a, a match made in heaven, which it's not. But anyway, we don't, we don't do that. But um, 
you know, I, I think that any chance that we have to help educate people and because it, it benefits all of us when we all are, are more knowledgeable with our dairy goats and how we're raising them for sure. And again, the more we start hearing about, um, you know, the veterinarian shortage and the, the challenges that we're expecting to come with some of the new antibiotic laws going into place, um, the more people can do well on their own to properly care for their goats and properly deal with the small issues, the less load we need to put on those veterinarians. So the more they're going to be available when we really need them for something. That is totally for sure. Margaret, if people wanted to find out more about what you do and more about Storm Dancer Farms, where would they find you? Stormdancerfarm.com is the website. Um, the dairy goat portion is still not up to date, um, but the events and visiting page is where I've got um, stuff about the classes and other events we host on the farm. Um, and also we're at, we're at Storm Dancer Farm LLC on Facebook. And people if people very remote from here are interested in this, I'm, I'm talking to someone I work with. We are going to see about um, actually live streaming some goat births um, because someone else I work with in the ag education sector said, you know what? Like I know that kidding, calving, farrowing is, is kind of, is a learning curve for new farmers. That's a lot of the, the work he works, a lot of the people he works with. Um, he said, do you think it'd be possible to, he's like, I don't know if we can hold a, a field day about kidding, but do you think it'd be possible to record it? And I said to him, actually, I do hold field days about kidding. Um, but yes, I also think I can, we can, we can record it. And because I can induce those, we might even be able to live stream it. If we know that, you know, whatever, February 17th, we're going to have two or three does kidding somewhere in the hours of noon to 6 p.m., yeah, we'll, we'll set a webcam in the, in the barn and we'll just let it run. So um, if that, if that comes through, we're working on the the technical details, but if that comes through, I will, I will have that up on our Facebook page and website. Oh, very cool. That is just awesome. Well, Margaret, again, thank you so much for joining me this week. And as always, it's a pleasure to, to get to spend some time with you and uh, to our listeners, please give us feedback on, um, if you like what you're hearing on Goat Gab, as always, we consider feedback to be a gift. So find us on Apple Podcasts, find us on Google Podcasts or Spotify. Um, we also could be found as Goat Gab on Facebook. So if you'd like to give us some feedback there, that's awesome too. And um, everybody have a great week and we will catch you next week on our next episode of Goat Gab. <laughs>